So as missionaries, as people who, who have to witness to the faith, we have a, uh, a, we have a delicate kind of a job, we have a difficult kind of a job, because we have to, on one hand, speak about the mercy of God, and then yet at the same time speak about the fact that, that God is also just. And it's, um, it's very easy to exaggerate one way or the other. So if we only talk about God's mercy, God's mercy, God's mercy, God's so wonderfully merciful, do what you want, because he's merciful. Well, that's not going to work really, is it? Well, in reality, it's not going to work. In reality, that's not good for your soul. That to have this idea of, I can do whatever I want, at the end of the day, God is good, he'll forgive me. Uh, that's dangerously presumptuous and absolutely risks your soul. The other side of that then is God is watching everything I do and he's marking everything down in his big divine black book and he will hold everything against me. Why would I want to be with him for all eternity if he's just like this big brother with cameras all over the house looking at everything I do, you know, not giving me a minute's peace, a minute's privacy. You know, the Lord is looking at everything I do and just waiting for me to mess up. All right, so God, if we just focus on only mercy or only justice, either are an exaggeration and both get us in trouble. So we have a difficult job of, of maintaining the Lord is merciful, the Lord is absolutely merciful, but at the same time, there is justice. So God is merciful. But at the same time, he's well able, as we see in today's gospel, he's well able to, as you would say in Ireland, to give out to people, to scold people, to tell them off when they're wrong, for the good of their soul. Not because, it's not like it's just a fit of anger and he's just, oh, I'm just so sicky. Now I'm going to tell you what I actually think. That's not what's happening. But it's, it's in order to wake people up. Uh, kind of like the Padre Pio approach. You know, when you're talking to people who are really stubborn, and really set in their ways, at times you have to say, do you know, if you keep going that way, you could end up in hell. You know that? I don't recommend that. That's not a good pastoral approach. And definitely not step one. Don't say, hello, how are you doing? Great, great, great. Where are you from? Cork. Oh, you're from Cork. Wonderful, wonderful. Lovely churches on there. Oh, I don't know. I haven't gone to church since my first Holy Communion. Oh, you baptized? Yeah. And you don't go to church. You're going to hell, so. Really uneffective missionary approach. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but the Lord here, I mean, like, he, listen to what he says. I mean, this is like, is this Jesus the teddy bear or Jesus the grizzly bear? This is more Jesus the grizzly bear, okay? Where Jesus says, alas for you, Corazon, alas for you, Bethsaida, if the miracles worked and you had been done entire inside in these foreign pagan cities, in Jewish estimation, right, they would have repented. If these foreigners had seen miracles, the same miracles that you've seen, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes, but you see them and you don't change, you don't repent. Or he goes on then to Capernaum. You want to be exalted as high as heaven, you shall be thrown down to hell, he says. Okay? So Jesus, like, he's, he's being very, very clear here. Not because, again, it's not just a fit of rage or it's not, he hasn't lost control. But he's saying, do you not realize, you guys, you need to wake up. We have a limited amount of time to get things right here. And at the moment, you're on the wrong road. And if you stay on this road, this road of presumption, this road of we shall be raised to the heights of heaven, when you're not living that way, you're risking your soul. So he's calling them out because he loves them. He's calling them out because he loves them. Today, our, our first reading is taken from the book of Baruch. Baruch was a, a scribe <coughs> of the prophet Jeremiah. <coughs> prophet Jeremiah had an awful job. He had a, generally speaking, it didn't go well for prophets. And I think that when people were called to be prophets, they realized Oh dear, this is, it's like, it's like, you know, being called to be, to work in one of those speed vans, 
You know, nobody likes you. <laughs> right? As a prophet, as a prophet, no one likes you. Because if your prophecy is negative, which it generally, like the reason they needed prophets was, if we keep going this direction, it's going to end up badly for us. You're now telling people to change the way they live, to change their behavior. No one likes that. No one says, oh, someone came to me today and told me I'm a big sinner and that I need to change this and this and this. You're such nice and such a nice man. How dare he tell me how I should live and how I shouldn't live. And, and, you know, I mean, bless us. So, Jeremiah's job was to come <coughs> and preach, <coughs> me, prophesy in the city of Jerusalem and tell them that if they continue doing what they're doing, that the king of Babylon is going to invade them and the city will fall. So, you're saying to the leaders, you have to change your ways. You're saying to the scribes and Pharisees, <coughs> And the religious leaders, you have to change your ways. So he's speaking to all of the movers and shakers, all of those who are powerful. Don't make an alliance with him. Don't let him into the city. We need to change how we behave now. And people don't like that. So then other prophets, prophets, false prophets, elected themselves and said, no, 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 for I have prayed and the Lord says he will bless us abundantly and this yoke, this yoke that Jeremiah says will be laid upon us shall be broken and the, one of the priests breaks the, the yoke off, off, off Jeremiah's back. And then Jeremiah stands and says, For lo, the Lord says, the yoke that would be laid upon you is a yoke of iron. And this was what happened. Baruch was, was, was Jeremiah's scribe. So he, he wrote these things and he continues the same, the same theme, the same message here. Integrity belongs to the Lord our God and to us the look of shame we wear today. To us, the people of Judah, this is the, the southern tribes, <clears throat> and the citizens of Jerusalem, to our kings and princes, our priests and prophets, this look of shame. Because we have sinned in the sight of the Lord, we have disobeyed him. We have not listened to the voice of the Lord our God telling us to follow the commandments of the Lord. From the day the Lord brought our ancestors out of the land of Egypt until today we have been disobedient to the Lord. We have been disloyal, refused to listen to his voice. So what are the consequences of that? And so the disasters and the curse which the Lord pronounced through his servant Moses when he brought us and our fathers out of Egypt and gave us the land where milk and honey flow, these disasters have seized on us today, disasters we experience today. Okay, so Barak is being Again, following this, this same theme of, of Jeremiah. The Lord wants to bless us. He gave us a land where milk and honey flow. He has provided for our needs. Give the Lord his rightful place. Put the Lord back at the center. The center of your lives, your hearts, your decisions, your society. Consider what the, what the ordinances, the laws of the Lord are. And make your decisions based on the will of God. Not on what's easy, not on what, 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 what makes us popular or wealthy, but what is the will of God here? And then when we recognize that we've made mistakes, to have the humility to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and this, <clears throat> this, is, this is difficult. This is difficult, especially if we consider ourselves if we, think, if we think that we made our, the best decision we could at the time based on what we knew, so again, we've, we mentioned this a couple of weeks, two weeks ago. 
it's not the worst thing in the world to recognise that, look, <clears throat> okay, I made this decision based on what I knew. I now recognise that what I knew wasn't the full story. Okay, so at least you made the decision back in the day in good faith. But now that you recognise that you didn't have the full picture, you can still say, I'm sorry. If I'd known, I wouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry my actions hurt you. Then there are other decisions that you made back in the day that you knew were wrong then as well. You knew that you were gossiping. You knew that you were laughing at someone. You knew that you were taking advantage of someone. You knew that you were whatever it was. You knew it was wrong then. But then we can say to ourselves, yeah, but lots of time has passed. You know, that was ages ago. It's okay. Everyone has moved on, haven't they? We've all forgotten about it. Everyone's happy. Look, that person's happy. They're grand. They're good. I don't need to apologize to them. But then are you taking responsibility for the hurt that your actions caused? Today, this morning, in our morning prayer, we have Psalm 50. It's often prayed on, on Fridays. And it's beautiful. We look at it briefly because I don't want this to go on too long. But it says, Have mercy on me, O God, in your kindness. In your compassion, blot out my offense. O wash me more and more from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Okay, this is written by David. David, after... He's standing on his palace wall, kind of doing nothing. Uh, it, it, the scripture says, at the time when kings normally go out to baton, battle, they go out on their military campaigns, David is at home, lounging around, doing nothing, going for a walk on his little wall, and he sees uh, sorry, uh, Bathsheba taking a bath. And... Um, just continued watching, I guess, and eventually called her to himself and so on. Uh, he, he slept with her and got her pregnant, then got her husband killed in battle. So <clears throat> the prophet Nathan approaches uh, David and tells him, God has seen your actions. God has seen what you have done. And after that, uh, calling out that he received through the prophet Nathan, he writes this psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, in your kindness, in your compassion. Blot out my offense. O wash me more and more from my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin. My offenses, truly, I know them. My sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. What is evil in your sight, I have done. O see, in guilt I was born. A sinner was I conceived. Okay, but the story doesn't end there. Be very careful. Okay, that's the that's the justice part, right? I've uh, if 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 the Lord were to be a, a human judge, <clears throat> I've messed things up. I deserve punishment. That's it. There's no way around it. Like this, we're, we're kind of stuck in this filth of sin. Doesn't it? you can't undo it? The words you've spoken, the things that you've failed to do, that you could have done, you could have helped, you could have said a word of encouragement, but you thought, I couldn't be bothered. You could have sense of commission, what we've done, the sense of omission, when we have not done things that we could have or should have. Okay, they're stuck there. They're stuck in history. They're engraved in it that those moments cannot be taken back. They cannot be relived. They cannot be undone. So it just means that the longer our lives go on, like, it's like we're leaving this, this wake of destruction behind us. Kind of an awful thought, isn't it? So if that was it, if that was as good as we could do, you know, if God wasn't, if God didn't exist, if God's mercy wasn't there, then all we'd have 
is our own human power to look back at, 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 at our, the offenses of the past and say, well, they can't be undone. Whoops. And maybe apologize, but they can't be taken away. They're stuck. The past is stuck like it's engraved in stone. It can't be undone. So what we're asking then through, through our faith, through our reliance on God's mercy, is for the Lord to heal even the past. For the Lord to heal the past, to heal the wounds in our own hearts of the past, to heal the wounds in the hearts of others, maybe that we've caused. And then the Lord, who is a healer and who is outside of time, can do far more than our mere human efforts. We, we can't undo the past. We can't. The Lord doesn't so much undo the past, but he can heal it. He can heal it. And so the psalm continues. Make me here rejoicing and gladness, since the bones that you have broken, the bones that you have crushed may revive. From my sins turn away your face and blot out all my guilt. A pure heart create for me, O God. Put a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, nor deprive me of your Holy Spirit. Now, Sam takes a little turn here. He starts off talking about how bad his offense is. <clears throat> then he talks about, <clears throat> let me hear again joy, let me hear again rejoicing. Revive me. Forgive me, wash me clean. Okay. And then the last, the last part of it here. Give me again the joy of your health. With a spirit of fervor, sustain me, that I may teach transgressors your ways. So I've made mistakes. I've been forgiven. I've experienced your mercy. And now, Lord, may I teach transgressors your ways. May I be a missionary. May I, who have now lived this, this experience of, of falling and being lifted up, of, of being wounded and now being healed, I may now share that with others. So I'm not sharing with others my perfection. What you need to do is, what you need to do is, you need to be like me. That's what you need to do. You need to be perfect and flawless and prayerful, just like me. Right? That's not it at all. We're saying, I have been forgiven. I've experienced the Lord's forgiveness. I've been broken. I've been healed by the Lord. Come share in the Lord's grace. What a beautiful way to kind of to see that, you know. We've experienced it, now we, we draw people to it. But it's always pointing back here. We're always pointing back to the Lord. It's not, I'm so perfect, you should try and imitate me. I know St. Paul says it, but we won't go into that. St. Paul says, take me as your example. Okay, well, he was a saint, so he can say it. Uh, the rest, maybe if you're uh, any saints here, well, yeah, maybe. Uh, most of us can't. Most of us, <laughs> it's better to say, it's better to say, I've, I've been forgiven. And that's why even if you ever see the testimonies of those who've been through the Janaculo community, their testimonies are, I wasted 10, 15, 20 years of my life. I was on drugs, alcohol, addicted to whatever it was. I hurt all sorts of people around me. I was on the brink of despair, on the streets, penniless, hungry. In some way, my parents, friends, parish, priests, someone heard about Chinaclo community. I came here, discovered the Lord, discovered how, self, how selfish and lazy I was, or whatever it was, and now, voila. So they're, they're living this psalm, the Psalm 50. This experience of, of, this experience of sin, this experience of brokenness, and the experience also of God's healing. So come back. 
to the Lord, that I may teach transgressors your ways. I'm not drawing people back to me. I'm drawing people back to the Lord, to the source. That's, that's, our, I thought that's our goal, hopefully, as missionaries, to share the joy of knowing that our sins have been blotted out, our sins have been washed away, that we've been given a steadfast spirit, a pure heart. Lord Jesus, may you continue to form, heal, and protect us. And may we reach out to others confident that you will take care of them too, because you have already taken care of us. Amen.